I was at a crowded party and all of a sudden my vision started to tunnel. My palms got really sweaty. My heart started to beat fast. And I felt this overwhelming sense of dread kind of take over. And I remember I locked myself in the bathroom and I just slid down the wall and I just waited for it to pass thinking like, this is it. Like this is, this is the end. And ever since then, I started living in fear of like, when was the next panic attack going to strike? And so I knew something needed to change because I felt so on edge all the time and could feel myself really withdrawing from my friends. So I went to my doctor and I said, listen, I'm having a lot of anxiety. Like what, what can we do? And she pulled out a prescription pad and she started writing me out a prescription for anti-anxiety meds. And I said, let's just pump the brakes a little bit. I want to see if there's something I can do naturally first. And that's sort of what led me down this path of managing anxiety naturally. Welcome to Unleash Thyself, where we navigate the journey of self-improvement and holistic wellness. I am your host, Constantine Moroon, and today we're joined by Heather Lilico, an anxiety warrior and a beacon of hope for those battling mental health challenges. Heather has transformed her struggle with anxiety into strength, developing a three-pillar system focused on mindset, nutrition, and movement to conquer anxiety. Her journey led her to become a nutritionist, a yoga meditation teacher, equipping her with the tools to support others in piecing together their path to calm without the overwhelm. Heather has been featured on platforms such as iHeart and Zoomer Radio and in publications, including the National Post and Tiny Buddha, sharing her insights on managing anxiety naturally. In today's episode, Heather and I will delve into her holistic approach to anxiety management, discussing how meditation, nutrition, and yoga play pivotal roles in restoring peace of the mind and body. We will explore whether anxiety can truly be healed or just managed, the roots of overthinking and how to stop it. And of course, we'll also take a look at simple, effective meditation techniques for the meditation skeptics among us. And I used to be one of them as well. Well, not anymore. Heather will also share her knowledge on the connection between diet and mental health, highlighting calming foods for anxiety and discussing the impact of organic versus conventional produce on our well-being. Expect to learn about the potential anxiety-inducing effects of certain foods and how supplements and probiotics fit into the anxiety relief puzzle. Plus, Heather will introduce us to Cultivating Calm, the anxiety support app she created, offering an accessible tool for those seeking tranquility in their busy lives. So prepare to be inspired and empowered by Heather's guidance on managing anxiety through a holistic lens. Remember to subscribe, like, and share your thoughts in the comments. Your engagement helps us bring these meaningful conversations to you. So let's begin. Hello, beautiful souls. This is Unleash Thyself. And with me today, I have Heather Lilico. Heather, it's such a pleasure to have you with us. Oh, well, thanks for having me. I'm excited for this conversation. Yeah, likewise. So I know, Heather, you specialize in a few things, but the most important one on my list is how you've overcome anxiety and now help other people overcome anxiety. So let's tell people really quick what it is that you do today and how you've helped yourself and others get to this point. 
Sure. Let me share a little bit about that. So I am a holistic nutritionist and a yoga and meditation teacher. And I started working in this area because I wanted to help people manage anxiety naturally. And I think like a lot of people who work in this area of mental health, it's through their own experience. And it was certainly the case for me. So I'll share a little bit about how I sort of went down this path. So growing up, I was always kind of a nervous kid. My mom used to say that I had a capital W on my forehead for worry. And I was always sensitive, like any type of criticism, and I would be in tears. I was a perfectionist. I had to get top marks in school or I felt like a complete failure. And I was an overthinker. And I would overthink about all kinds of things. Like I remember growing up, I was a figure skater. And one night before a big competition, I was laying in bed and I couldn't sleep because I was thinking about like all the what ifs. Like what if I fall? What if I disappoint my coach, my parents? And all of that worry, that self-doubt that I had as a kid, it followed me through to university. And the pressure became too much when I was in university and I started experiencing panic attacks. And I remember the first one I experienced, I was at a crowded party and all of a sudden my vision started to tunnel. My palms got really sweaty. My heart started to beat fast. And I felt this overwhelming sense of dread kind of take over. And I remember I locked myself in the bathroom and I just slid down the wall and I just waited for it to pass thinking like, this is it. Like this is, this is the end. And ever since then I started living in fear of like, when was the next panic attack going to strike? And so I knew something needed to change because I felt so on edge all the time and could feel myself really withdrawing from my friends. So I went to my doctor and I said, listen, I'm having a lot of anxiety. Like what, what can we do? And she pulled out a prescription pad and she started writing me out a prescription for anti-anxiety meds. And I said, let's just pump the brakes a little bit. I want to see if there's something I can do naturally first. And that's sort of what led me down this path of managing anxiety naturally. So I started by doing my own research. I mean, at this time, not that much was known in like the public sphere about natural anxiety management. So I did my own research and I found some foods that were linked with reducing anxiety. So I added those into my diet and I started to feel a little bit calmer, but I still felt like my nervous system was really amped up. So I tried yoga and I started to feel a little bit calmer still. And I still felt like I had a million thoughts in my mind. So that's where I added in meditation and That was the last piece of the puzzle for me. And so this is what I share with others now is this holistic and natural system that I've developed that can help manage anxiety through the power of meditation, nutrition, and yoga. Wow. What a powerful soul, Heather. Thank you for sharing. Let me ask you this. You're managing your anxiety right now. Is it completely gone? Is it less in, let's say, intensity showing up or less often? That's a good question. Yeah. So... To me, I mean, the word managing anxiety is tricky because to me, managing implies that it's like another thing on the to-do list to do, right? And what I have found with anxiety is that it's already so overwhelming. And so to think of adding like another thing on the to-do list feels to me just over the top. So I would say where I'm at with anxiety is a point where I can feel the emotion of anxiety. Because if we think of like the purpose of anxiety, it's there to alert us to danger, right? And that's why I don't think the goal should ever be like a zero anxiety because we are going to come out of this state of total regulation all the time. I mean, this is life. Like it, it, this happens, right? We can get triggered and activated and 
and so the goal isn't really to like totally annihilate it, I don't think, but to really learn how to work with it in a different way. So for myself, where I'm at is I can start to feel these old patterns activate and see like, oh, I'm starting to have a feeling of anxiety rise right now. And then I lean into the tools that I've learned. Maybe I will listen to a guided meditation or do a bit of breath work or just go outside for a walk in nature or something that's going to help me regulate. And then I can come back down. So I don't identify anymore with being an anxious person. And I hear that a lot in practice. People will say like, well, I'm just an anxious person. Like this is who I am. And I don't think that anxiety is a life sentence. I think it's absolutely something that can be transformed into an experience where you feel the emotion, you don't identify as closely with it, you're not as gripped by it, and then you can release it and let it go. I love that answer. And thank you for sharing more that. I am with you in the sense that perfection is usually a myth. And I say usually most of the time anyway, right? It's something that people may strive for, but really it's just getting to a point where they're comfortable. And with anxiety, like you said, it has a purpose, as many things do in our life, which means that if we can at least have the tools to deal with it, then it's going to make our life much easier. Because one of the things that it draws my uh, attention to is the idea that in life, we face challenges all the time. Just because we know how to overcome a challenge doesn't mean the challenges stop showing up, right? But now when they show up, we have the tools, like you mentioned, to overcome them and to actually be able to not allow the challenge to set us back X amount of days and weeks, or whatever, right? So I see it very, very similar, and I love that approach. Now, you did mention something else that I would like to touch on. You said that you sometimes sense those limiting beliefs surface up again. What are your thoughts on being able to eliminate limiting beliefs and replace them with other beliefs? Yeah, so let's let's talk about limiting beliefs. I mean, limiting beliefs are these kind of scripts that we're running in our mind, right? It's that you know, as we grew up and our subconscious mind was forming, it's these beliefs, these messages that we got about the world and about ourselves. And what I've seen in practice is that, you know, we don't have to have experience like trauma, capital T, to have these types of limiting beliefs. Like myself, I have a perfectly lovely, happy childhood, and I still got some of these messages. And the most common limiting beliefs that I see are that we have a deep down belief that I'm not good enough or that people are going to judge me and leave me, abandon me. What I have seen is that almost every time we feel anxious, it can kind of be traced back to the roots of that being activated. And that would feel quite scary and um, potentially dangerous to our survival, right? Like as social creatures, if someone was going to leave, abandon you, or judge you, that could leave you vulnerable to survival. So it makes sense then that anxiety is being activated as that survival mechanism. And, you know, these can pop up in in all sorts of ways, but I think the key to sort of reprogramming them, which absolutely can be done, all we're doing is changing the way that our neural circuits are firing. The key to, to doing that process is... Hey, it's Constantine here, and I want to take a brief moment to truly thank you for being a part of this incredible journey of transformation. You are the reason we are creating this content. I see you and I appreciate you. Your support truly means the world to me. I want to ask you for a small favor. I'd love for you to join our mission by hitting like, subscribe, or leaving a thoughtful comment or review. Your engagement helps others 
discover these insights, and together we can continue to unlock the power of authenticity and personal transformation. And if you want to reach out directly to me, send me an email at constantine at unleashedthyself.com. I value any and all feedback. Thank you for being a part of this movement. Now, back to the episode. First, the awareness. We have to become aware that in a situation, those are being activated, right? So it's not about the situation itself. Like, let's use an example. You know, let's say your boss texts you and says, or your boss sends you an email and says, hey, can we talk? Your first reaction, if you're running those sorts of limiting beliefs of I'm not good enough, people are going to judge me your reaction might be, oh my God, I've done something wrong. I'm going to get fired. Oh my gosh, I'm going to lose my house. I can't support my family. My family's going to leave me. Like it's zero to a hundred in the span of a couple milliseconds, right? Because that's the script that's running at that moment. So what we're trying to do then is catch ourselves in that moment. Oh, you know what? This is being activated for me right now. I'm running that script of I'm not good enough. And then once we can reprogram through, I typically use affirmations to say, no, I am good enough. I am good enough, right? I am lovable. We kind of remind ourselves of that type of truth. Then what happens is the situation itself won't activate or trigger us because think about, you know, if you're someone who believes that you are good enough, you are lovable. When your boss sends you that email and says, hey, can we talk? You're going to think, oh my God, maybe I'm getting a promotion. Like something really good is happening, right? Because you're running a different script then. But I think the key pieces in, in order to reprogram these limiting beliefs are step one, an awareness to understand it's being activated. And then step two, a conscious choice to choose different thoughts, to run a different program, to run a different script. And then step three is the repetition of that over and over again. We catch ourselves with awareness, we choose differently, and then we act in that different way, right? We act as though someone who feels that they are good enough, who knows that they are worthy. Yeah, I love the header. And this topic is one I'm very passionate about I um something you may not know about myself and in the audience some people may know this I am some, what you would call a neuroencoding specialist and neuroencoding is essentially the language of our nervous system so how we talk to ourselves how we talk to ourselves about others in the world around us and what you touched on is so so important because in my studies as I'm super passionate with psychology as well I have found that of course these programs and the negative thoughts and negative beliefs that have formed can come from a good childhood I had a very good childhood as well despite growing up in Eastern Europe but that trauma that I have and the trauma you have and the trauma everyone else has cannot be put on a scale and compared to each other which have our own Traumas that have led us to those limiting beliefs. It could be as simple as a teacher saying something in school when we grew up and we took that and we ran with it. And what I have found in my practice and in my studies is that, like you said, those steps to the limiting beliefs, amazing. The only one I would add in there is the fact that when we look at limiting beliefs, there are two parts I see. Like you said, become aware of it and then see what you can do in the moment to manage it, just like you've done and like you're mentioning. And then look at how you can eliminate the limiting belief because one limiting belief can be removed and then replaced with something positive. And I love that idea, like you shared, hey, it's got to start with positive talk, self-talk and go from there. But it has to be based in, in proof. It has to be based in reality. And if we manage to catch ourselves, stop a behavior, reprogram it, we can get very far, much faster, right? So we can we can get 
to the destination a lot quicker because we don't have those old programmings running in the in the past. But you're right, awareness is half the battle, as I say, because if you're not aware of a problem, then it's going to set you back. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Most of us are just yeah. sort of running on autopilot, right? We go around our world and we're constantly sort of like blaming our external circumstances for making us feel a certain way, right? But that doesn't feel so empowering because if I'm always waiting for my external circumstance to get better, right, for the stars to align, for me to then feel good enough or for me to act and go after what I want and, you know, act in alignment with my purpose, like I'm going to be waiting a long time. I'm going to end up living a really small life, I think. Yeah. I agree with you 100%. Unfortunately, though, most of us have been there and are stuck in there because it's so much easier to blame everyone else for the problems we have because, after all, that's what we're shown in the world. That's what media portrays. That's what society portrays. That's what I learned in school. It's not your fault. You know, if someone has been mean to you, it's them, it's not you. And sure, of course, a big part play, you know, is on their side. However, it's also how you you absorb everything, how you react to it. Because I believe to every situation, there's like a coin, there's two sides. You can take the positives and run with that, or you can go straight to the negatives and then that's going to dictate your life. Yeah, it's such a good point. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now let's get back to the anxiety piece for a second, right? So you mentioned nutrition as a big part of it. Same with mindfulness, right? Meditation, yoga, other elements. But let's touch on uh, nutrition first. What have you discovered there? Because I'm really curious. That's one of the first times I hear the nutrition plays a big role in anxiety, Mm -hmm. even though I know the nutrition plays a big role in pretty much everything to do with us, our bodies and our thoughts and feelings. Yeah, it's such an underrated piece, the nutrition piece, because I think in some on some level, we make the connection between what we're eating and how we're feeling, right? Like I generally know if I have a meal that has a lot of fried foods in it, or I have a some you know, a snack or something that has a lot of sugar in it, like I'm not gonna feel that great after. I think most of us have sort of made that connection, but we might not really understand the true relationship between what we're eating and how we're feeling in that the foods that you're consuming, those those nutrients that you're getting from foods are literally becoming the cells in your body. Like these are the building blocks that you need for things like your neurotransmitters that are going to help you feel happy and calm and good. And the foods that you're eating are going to support your gut bacteria. And your gut bacteria are balancing your blood sugar, which makes you feel more even keel, less grumpy, irritable, anxious. Uh, they're also ma- helping to make a lot of your neurotransmitters as well. So what I like to say is like no amount of meditation in the world is going to overcome a deficiency in a diet if you don't have the building blocks that you need to feel calm. And so the like nature offers us so many different incredible foods that are going to help uh, our mood. So let's maybe go through some of them right now yeah, that our great. listeners could could consider. So one of the best ones for mood, for anxiety specifically, are seeds. So pumpkin seeds, chia, flax, um, hemp, sunflower, these seeds are nutrition powerhouses when it comes to anxiety. They are rich in magnesium, which is one of the best minerals we have for anxiety. It's involved over 300 reactions in the body, and it has links to sleep, has links to helping relax your muscles, uh, and also producing GABA. GABA is our brain's relaxing neurotransmitter and it relates to anxiety because if we don't have enough GABA, we will feel anxious. And so seeds, I usually recommend aiming for a couple tablespoons a day of seeds. So that could look like a handful of pumpkin seeds or sunflower seeds as a snack. It could look like your morning smoothie. Maybe you're adding in flax or chia into it. 
maybe you're making a dressing out of a hemp uh, hemp seeds and doing like an immersion blender and, and blending it up. Lots of different ways to get them in, but I think they're often overlooked for just how much nutritional power they have. So that could be one that people could consider. Uh, leafy greens as well are incredible for mood. They're rich in folate, has links to depression. Uh, and sort of the deeper, richer color ones are ones we want to focus on. So like kale, Swiss chard, uh, spinach is great, arugula, mustard greens, dandelion greens. Like we can think out of the box a little bit here. Um, and maybe, you know, someone's having like a side salad to get those greens in, but they can be mixed into smoothies. That's how I have them in the morning. Uh, you could be having, you know, a pizza and you're topping it with arugula or spinach or having a sandwich and adding in your greens in there, but they're going to be, uh, incredible for mood. And then the other one I'll mention is uh, fermented foods. So these are sauerkraut, kimchi, kefir, yogurt, tempeh, miso, And these foods contain live bacteria. So they're going to support a healthy gut. And I usually recommend two different fermented foods a day. I would say people are often maybe having one, uh, but aiming for two a day is going to get you different strains of bacteria because different foods have different strains and different strains do different things. So we want to make sure that we're supporting um, the gut. And I will mention as well that there's a pretty big link between anxiety and irritable bowel syndrome or any type of like digestive problems, they have a pretty high comorbidity because they're so related. Like your gut and your brain are talking to each other all day long. Neural connections, there's hormonal connections. They can sort of talk through the blood as well. And so we want to be supporting the gut so that we can also support the brain and support the mood. That's amazing stuff, Heather. And I knew of some of those. I heard a lot about the seeds. It's something that I keep hearing and it comes back. Let me ask you this though. When it comes to the foods you mentioned, Is there a big difference between what you find on the shelf and let's say organic grown leaves, green, I mean, green, green leaves, or even the seeds? Yeah. So when we, when we find something that's organic, there's, there's a little bit of mixed evidence on it, but what we see consistently emerge through the literature is that food that is organic has higher antioxidant levels. So it, that is going to be helpful for brain and mood, right? Like antioxidants protect the brain from damage. So the more antioxidants we have, the more we can buffer the effects of our world, right? And, you know, all sorts of things are sort of attacking our brain in a way, like our environment and, you know, being exposed to pollution and plastics and um, and even things like exercise can produce free radicals that are going to potentially affect the, the brain. So we want to have more antioxidants. So organic can be helpful from that perspective. Um, one option I recommend to folks, if organic just seems like at a price point, it's too high, like it's really not an option, is you could consider buying things frozen. Because frozen foods, like frozen fruits and vegetables, they're picked at their peak freshness and then frozen right away. So that's going to mean it's going to preserve more nutrients than if you know something is picked organic but has to travel a little bit to get to you. Then antioxidants like vitamin C, for example, degrades about 50% within a day. So the yes, organic picked might be higher, but if it's taking too long to get to you, a lot of those nutrients are going to deplete anyways. So opting for frozen options and you can get frozen organic and, you know, maybe with frozen, you can keep an eye on the sales as well. If um, price is going to be an issue to, to buying something like that, but it can be it can be a, an, an option. I find for most people, though, it's you know with the price of inflation and everything, it's just not a feasible option right now. Absolutely, no. I, I love those points, Heather, and especially around the frozen foods. That's something I, I knew in the past, and it's easy to forget, right? That 
those those fruits and veggies are actually more nutritious because they're picked. At their, I mean, they're picked when they are at their best and then frozen right away. Yeah. And of course, they, they go great in smoothies and everything else because it doesn't matter if it's mushy or it doesn't look as amazing as a fresh fruit. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah so it does really all- well in that. Or like as, you know, or like soups or stews or something, we can be buying veggies frozen and then maybe like we're blending it up and then the texture isn't as important. Yeah, I love that actually. That's a great point. Now we talked about some of the things that we can add. You mentioned briefly things we can remove, which let's say are the obvious ones, fried foods and whatnot. But are there any foods that we should look at removing that may not be as obvious? Yeah, let's talk about some foods that could potentially be making anxiety worse. And I want to say first that to sort of frame this recommendation that I'm all about everything in moderation, right? I don't believe in like strict food rules and I want people to have a healthy relationship with food. So the the ones that I'm going to mention here, I'm not saying it's a hard and fast rule. You should not be having this. Remove it right away from your diet. What I'm saying is to maybe think about how does this affect me? Like when I eat this food, how how do I feel? And Sugar, I would say, is is a really big one because sugar and, and like processed sugar, right? So things that you would find in like cookies and cakes and candies, um, you know, your high fructose corn syrup or like white or brown sugar, because this is going to spike your blood sugar, which is probably no surprise, but it's also going to affect your gut bacteria. We know that people who have high sugar diets have less variety of gut bacteria and less amount of of healthy gut flora. So you could opt for more natural sweeteners like maple syrup, honey, agave, coconut sugar, date sugar. These could be possible options. Not going to spike your blood sugar as much and typically come along with some different trace minerals. So going to be beneficial. Um, Red meat, I would mention as another one. I mean, the World Health Organization has classified it as a group one carcinogen, meaning cancer causing. And the reason I mention it for anxiety is because it's been linked to inflammation in the body. And a side effect of inflammation can be feeling anxious. Like if your brain is inflamed, it's not going to be happy, right? And we have so many alternatives these days. I mean, we have leaner meats like uh, like chicken or turkey. We have fatty fish, which is going to give you some omega-3s, great for brain health. Uh, but we also have our plant-based alternatives like lentils and beans and nuts and seeds are going to provide um, a good amount of protein as well. So those can be some alternatives. Um, the other one I'll mention for people to consider is dairy. And dairy is one of the top food sensitivities. Most of us lose the enzyme to process dairy as we age anyways. And we know that those from Asian and African descent are less likely to have the enzyme to process it. So having more issues with lactose intolerance. And that's just, you know, lactose is like one part of of dairy, right? It's like the sugar that's coming from it. We also have the proteins like whey and casein, and a lot of people have trouble digesting that. And when we have trouble digesting something and it's a food sensitivity, then the gut can become inflamed and unhappy. And the amount of gut bacteria we have starts to fluctuate, starts to go down. And we don't have this healthy gut flora that can help us, you know, make some of those neurotransmitters or balance blood sugar and make a lot of our immune system. So we want to think about perhaps on like a cellular level, you know, even if you're not realizing dairy might be affecting you, like for some people, when they have a bowl of ice cream, they're like, Ooh, no, like that, that does not feel good. And that's a pretty obvious sign. But even if you're not noticing on that more conscious level, like it could still be affecting the cells. So what I often tell people is like, just try, just try to pull it out. There's lots of different plant-based alternatives these days to dairy. 
and, and, you know, see how you feel. Cause what I've seen with clients is they, so many people have said like, no, it doesn't bother me. And when we've just done a little test and see and pull it out, they say, oh, you know what? I didn't realize that I was just bloated all the time, or I didn't realize that it wasn't normal to not have a bowel movement every day. So it's just a little bit of uh, curiosity and sort of a test and learn approach to see what works for you as an individual. Oh, I love everything you said there, Heather, and it comes back to the awareness piece you mentioned and the example you just gave. If you're not aware how it may impact you, you may think it's normal. And I love the idea you mentioned earlier as well, which is it's not about being radical and removing all these things and then changing your diet 100%. It's about trial and error and see what works for you. So speaking of that, let's say if I'm someone that wants to start trying some of the things you mentioned and removing some others. Do you recommend journaling to like take notes and see, okay, you know what, for a week, try this and then measure yourself and see, measure meaning, you know, measure your mood and things that otherwise you would ignore? Yeah. I mean, food journaling can be such a helpful tool to understand how am I feeling sort of at that baseline? And then how am I feeling when I remove or reduce certain foods and add in some of these mood boosting foods. Like sometimes what I'll have clients do is, is sort of write down what they're eating and then do a little uh, rating out of 10. How's your bloating at this meal? You know, out of 10 before and after. How is your mood around this meal before and after? To just start to get people to tune in, right? As you said, that awareness piece, just get people to better understand like, what am I eating and how is it making me feel? Because I think a lot of us given that you know our, our world just has so many processed foods in it, a lot of us have sort of lost that intuition as to w- what we should be eating and how it can, you know, and how it can make us feel good. I think we're not as tuned in anymore as perhaps our ancestors were of like what made us, what makes us feel good. And nutrition is complicated. Like I, I you know, sometimes I laugh at the fact that like a job as a nutritionist even exists because People shouldn't have to be told what to eat. Like people should just intuitively know. But the world of nutrition is complicated and it's always changing. Like eggs are good, eggs are bad, fish is good, fish is bad. Like this, you know, there's so much back and forth on it. And so I really encourage people to increase awareness for themselves. Like what feels good for me on a personal level? Because there is no one diet that's gonna be perfect for everybody, right? There's no silver bullet here. There are certain foods that, yeah, probably we could all benefit from including, but it doesn't have to be so prescriptive. Like there is that room for what works best for me. And of course, there's room to enjoy your food as well, right? If you want the cookie, have the cookie. Like there's no point in it. We're not depriving ourselves here. We're just trying to build awareness to see what works for ourselves. Yeah, I love that, Heather. And I'm with you on it. It it doesn't have to be so black and white, right? Meaning you go for one and not the other, eliminate it 100%. You got to try. I mean, every single one of us is such a unique, beautiful being that to think that what works for you is going to 100% work for me and vice versa, I believe that's that's a wishful thinking, right? And that's why we take the parts that resonate with us and toss the rest out. And how do you know if it resonates with you? Well, hopefully you get to try it for a few days, a week, maybe two weeks, and see how it goes. I was reading a, a research paper the other day, and it, they've discovered it takes about 66 days for a new habit to form. Now, it doesn't mean it's going to take you 66 days to realize if something is helpful for you or not you can probably tell fairly quickly. From what I've seen, for me, it's anywhere between four to eight days on average to see, okay, this food is definitely not good for me. Some, it could be as simple as just eating it or removing it for a few days and be like, wow, yeah, I am less bloated. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, I mean, we, you know, it, it can be so 
individual how long it takes often with some of these foods. Yeah, you might see changes in a couple days in terms of like the bloating or, uh, you know, your, your, your energy levels, your mood. Um, but then I usually like to keep someone on a protocol for like four to six weeks so that we can do the underlying work of healing the gut and having those gut cells, you know, turn over and making sure that they're nice, healthy and plump. And that we have a lot of really solid gut bacteria in there. That's like the, the deeper work that's happening while perhaps we remove or reduce some of these foods that are making anxiety worse. Yeah. Love that. Love that. Now, before we move away from nutrition, is there anything else that we have uncovered? Maybe supplements, maybe anything else that we can chat about? Oh yeah. Let's, let's talk about supplements. So I think there's a time and a place for supplements of, you know, I advocate for real whole food and, and making sure that you're trying to get your nutrients through that. But I think when it comes to anxiety, there's so many supplements that can be beneficial. So some of the top ones um, that I recommend are magnesium as a supplement because it's helpful for sleep. It's helpful for promoting GABA, that relaxing neurotransmitter. It's great to take before bed and uh, often a B complex vitamin. So these are like your energy and mood vitamins. And, um, you know, in Canada in the winter, it is quite cold and dark. And so vitamin D is a great one to include, has uh, big links to mood. And then I usually like to include some type of adaptogen. So an adaptogen is an herb or a mushroom, some type of plant that helps the body balance out hormones. So it helps get to like sort of that root of what's not in balance in the body that's leading to anxiety or mood issues, and then actually like go and balance that out. So one of the the top ones that I love is ashwagandha. Ashwagandha is called Indian ginseng. And it has been shown in research to be helpful for insomnia, for anxiety, and it actually lowers cortisol. So that's how it's like really getting to the root of like, what are the hormones that aren't in balance here? And let's regulate them. So it's a fantastic one to take. Uh, Rhodiola is another great one, been shown to be helpful for anxiety and burnout as well. So if anyone is feeling sort of maxed out, tapped out, exhausted, then uh, rhodiola is is a great one. And a lot of these adaptogens take a little bit of time to work. So typically we see results around like the four to six week mark. So it's not something that's like a quick fix. You're going to take it one day and feel better. Typically they do take time to sort of build up and you know balance things out in the body, but they're just fantastic. And I think often overlooked um, supplements. And we have ones from the mushroom world as well. Like reishi is a great one. It's called nature's Xanax. And so it's very, it can help you kind of like chill out. Uh, that's a good one. Lion's mane is great for depression, anxiety as well. And it can actually regenerate cells, um, in areas of the brain. So lots of amazing things from the plant world that can help anxiety. Wow, I love that. How about anything for the gut, like probiotics? Because, you know, that's, that's a big one that keeps coming up nowadays. Hey, you know, take this 15 billion or whatever, how many billions of probiotics you can help your gut health? Yes. Thanks for mentioning that. It's such a good question. The, so there are certain strains of bacteria that specifically can be helpful for mood. And we're starting to see now a lot of formulas come out that are mood probiotics specifically because they have these strains. And what we see, at least in animal studies, is that when these animals are given these strains of bacteria, they display less anxious behavior. So often in like, you know, a maze test or something, a mice might be less stressed out. And, um, and yeah, it's, it's pretty exciting that we're seeing a lot of formulas specifically for mood 
And what I say is, you know, if you are going to supplement with a probiotic, I typically recommend start low and go slow. Meaning if you're going to hit it with something like, you know, a 50 plus billion, it might be a lot on the system to start. For some people, it, it it's just too much. So, um, and when I say too much, I mean, you could have symptoms like more bloating than normal, or you'll have trouble with bathroom issues. So, you can start at sort of a lower dose and then kind of work your way up. I have a lot of clients that will sort of break up the capsules and then, you know, maybe put half in a smoothie one day or dissolve it in something and and you can sort of break up the dose that way. But it's a really exciting area. I think if I was to sort of look into my crystal ball and see what's coming in the area of nutrition and mood, probiotics would, would be right up there. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Makes sense. I've seen some research as well and it's pretty cool. What's coming up, actually, even more research into the gut itself. And you mentioned this, right? And how the gut is our second brain or even our main brain sometimes, right? And there's a lot of stuff that's coming out that's like, wow, I can't believe that's actually true. (laughs) Or it can be true, right? So it's cool to see. Now, for nutrition, is there anything else we haven't touched on that you think is important? I think we've covered it all. We talked about a couple foods that people can work in, a couple to consider removing or reducing, and then a few supplements to consider. I think that's a good a good base for people. That's lots in there that uh, people can look at. And I'm not a nutritionist, but what I've seen in my life and the life of others, don't put all of those in at the same time because you won't know what works and what doesn't. And it's going to be very hard to maintain. At least that's <laughs> that's my unprofessional opinion. I'm not sure how you feel about that. Yeah. I mean, we do want to play scientist a little bit, right? When we're working in nutrition, because yeah, at a certain to a certain extent, if you change everything, then you're like, well, well, what was it? So um, often when we're removing or reducing foods, we might do sort of one at a time. And because it often makes it easier for people, right? I find it's not sustainable for people to completely cut everything out. And it becomes a sort of like diet mentality, right? Like when I'm on the wagon, I'm on, but then if I fall off, it's like everything is coming back. So I do want it to be a long-term change for people. So maybe, you know, our listeners can think about, you know, what can I start with? Like one thing that I'm going to remove or reduce and see how that fits in my diet for a little bit. And then, you know, what's another thing that I'm going to remove or reduce? And and it doesn't just have to be a complete takeout. Like these are kind of swaps we're making, right? So it's if I'm going to remove or reduce red meat, then I'm going to add in a plant-based protein and that's going to benefit me with fiber and it's going to feed the bacteria in the gut. It's going to provide protein. It's going to be easier on digestion. Like there are these kind of Uh, swaps that we can consider. Absolutely. Love that. Love that. And I guess one thing I would add uh, from my own experience and what I see in my practice when I tackle anything mindset, anything psychology, looking at remodeling our brain, essentially rebooting, rewiring, is that as you start becoming aware of things you want to change, right? Tracking it becomes very important. But at the same time, having someone in your corner that can actually see your blind spots and help you see them as well. Because what I have found in my own life is like, I'm going to try all these things you mentioned, but it's based on like information all over the place. So if I have someone that I believe in, I trust in like yourself, for example, I say, Hey, this is what I'm doing. What's the biggest fire that we need to put out first. And the analogy I give is, let's say Heather, you and I live on the same street and your house is next to mine and mine is on fire. You have two options really. I mean, three, I guess you can just watch and hope that nothing happens and, the fireman will take care of it. Or you can try to prepare your home so it doesn't get affected by my fire. But the reality is if my fire goes out of control, it doesn't matter what you do. It's going to take your house as well. So we need to focus everything on our on my house first. 
And I realized that in our life, we have these fires, be it in the mental game, emotional game, spiritual game, physical game. And I can see the same thing with nutrition, right? There are certain things that are causing more of the issue than we realize. And we are usually not equipped to see that. But if we have someone like yourself in our corner, be like, hey, this is what I do on a regular basis. You may be able to spot trends and see, okay, well, this looks like a big fire. Let's put that one out first. And then usually that has a cascading effect on everything else. At least that's what I noticed with mindset, with psychology, right? Because if, let's say, I I lack self-doubt, I procrastinate, I hesitate. Well, there might be a fear of failure or fear of rejection at the bottom of it. And if you knock that down, it's going to knock all of them down at least a couple of notches. Yes, yes, absolutely, right? I think this is why we need a holistic approach when it comes to anxiety, because it's not just one thing, right? We we need to include this sort of like this mindset piece, this nutrition piece, this movement piece. I think it, these are all the pieces of the puzzle that come together. And just like if you were missing, you know, one of those pieces of the puzzle, your puzzle wouldn't be complete. You would have this gaping hole in it. And that's why they need to come together. And what I wanted to create for people is a system because anxiety is so overwhelming and there's a lot of information out there, but it's like, how do I combine them? Right. And how do I put them together and create these habits that last? Because a lot of people won't address that underlying uh, belief pieces you just mentioned, right? If we're not addressing the mindset piece, then the self-sabotage is going to come in and we're going to say, oh, like, I don't have the time to do this two-minute meditation or whatever it is, but we're going to come up with the excuse, right? Uh, and we, you know, yeah, we, we self-sabotage. So becoming more aware of those patterns and getting to that that deeper root of things, I think that's a really key piece for anxiety. Yeah. yeah absolutely. I love that. And before we touch on that even more, let's talk a bit about the the app you created, right? Which touches on mindset, touches on nutrition, touches on the mindfulness or movement piece. Tell us a bit more about that and why you came up with it. So I created Cultivating Calm, this app, because when I was deep struggling with anxiety, I, I felt so overwhelmed, but I also felt like I didn't know what to do. Like I didn't know what pieces could come together. And I have done years of therapy and talk therapy was so helpful, but I still felt like it didn't help me with the habits. Like, but what am I doing every day for my mental health, for my self-care? And that is why I developed the app because I wanted to help people establish really solid habits in these three pillars, right? In mindset habits. So this is the meditation piece in nutrition. You know, what are, what are we eating these building blocks? And then the movement piece, right? How are we moving in our moving our body in a way that regulates the nervous system. So this app is sort of a culmination of that. And I wanted to create it. So there were sort of like, there's different libraries on the app of, you know, meditations for every anxiety induced scenario. So like right before you have a big meeting or you're feeling imposter syndrome at work, or that inner voice is getting really critical. There's meditations for all of that. And then there's recipes on there, like delicious whole food, plant-based recipes, And then there's movement practices, there's yoga classes, there's ones for like if you're having or just had an anxiety attack, there's a class that you can do to regulate. There's sleep practices. Um, And then I also wanted to create a couple of courses that sort of brought that all together because it's great to have these buckets, these, you know, this library of resources, but I also wanted to help people establish this sort of system for their life so that what do I need to do every day? to feel calmer. And what can I do in like a couple minutes a day? Because what I have seen is that, you know, a lot of us don't have endless time. So we have to do really 
impactful practices, right? If you could do a meditation that was two minutes, but that helped you regulate and calm down, like I would think most of us could prioritize that in our day. So the the courses piece of the Cultivating Calm app really like brings it all um, together. There's a course I just put on the app that's called the 10 Day Nervous System Reset that has one practice that you do every day. And it's all about building up a connection to yourself, to others, to the world around you. But I think most of us have just a couple minutes a day that we can prioritize for ourselves. Then you're right. It's not that we have a couple of minutes. We can make them available. Most of us fall in the trap of saying, you know, I don't have time for this or that. Meanwhile, we spend half an hour browsing Instagram and Facebook and whatnot. And hey, I'm guilty of that too. <laughs> Don't worry. Like everyone is doing that to some degree, right? Or you have a few minutes before you jump in the shower, after you finish your shower. There's always time if you want to make it available, if something becomes a priority. That's at least what I have found in my life. Oh, absolutely. Right. My philosophy when it comes to self-care is that we don't find the time, we make the time, right? And it really is an act of self-care, right? It's an act of showing yourself that you're worthy when you prioritize these pieces. And so when people start to prioritize having these habits in their life, they do start to feel calmer because already that self-doubt piece is going down, right? We're building confidence every time we say to ourselves, I am important. And we do the practice that reaffirms, yes, I am important, right? I'm deserving of taking one, two, three, 20 minutes for myself. Absolutely. And for those that have enough time to do the research, you can take a look and see why negative thoughts and why anything negative makes it to our conscious mind so much faster than anything else. It goes back to what you mentioned earlier, protection and staying alive. So of course, your ego, your mind, your brain, your subconscious mind wants to keep you alive, which means that anything negative will make it to you much faster than the positive stuff, which means that most of us in our life have these repeating thoughts, all this negative stuff, because it's so much easier to perpetuate something you know. So if you want to change that, you need to practice the positive elements, but it's also believing in them, right? Because I could be saying, oh, how amazing I am. But if deep down, I don't feel that if I don't connect with it, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. So like you said, the practices will allow you to get that and realize how awesome you actually are. And most high achievers, and I would argue that almost all people are high achievers, meaning they want better than they have today. Most of us struggle with that big time. Oh yeah. It's, I mean, it's such a core belief for a lot of people. And you're right about that sort of negativity bias, right? It's like the job of your brain is to think, to help keep you alive. And it does that by searching for things that could potentially kill you, right? Things that could be dangerous. And it's not just physical danger. It's this like emotional type of danger that we're experiencing, right? If we're feeling like not good enough. And so anytime we do these small acts of self-care, we then reinforce this new belief that we want to have. I am worth it. I am good enough, right? It's that small little action that can compound over time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I mean, the practice I use every day and it's getting better and better for me is as soon as I notice a negative belief or negative thought rather interrupted, and that's usually with something physical, right? Even as easy as getting up from a chair, saying something out loud, doing something to interrupt the pattern. Then this is a part that most people don't do is first celebrate that you caught yourself doing it, right? Because by celebrating, and I usually take a deep breath, put a smile on my face and celebrate because that's going to release dopamine. And your brain is going to be like, hey, that, that's good. What happened there? And now you realize, wait a second, I can just celebrate things and it becomes a pattern of happiness, a pattern of better things. And now you have what's called a scotoma or a vacuum, essentially, because you 
interrupted the pattern and you can put something else in. And that's where what you mentioned comes in as well. You start being like, yeah, you know what? I am awesome. Look at all the things I've done. And that's all a practice. And it's funny how I thought there was woo at the beginning when I started doing it, but that works really fast, really quick. at getting you into a spot where you're not going to be fearless. You're just going to fear less. And the same thing with anxious, right? It's not only going to remove anxiety, but you're going to be anxious a lot less than before, right? Yeah. In duration, in, in, you know, how much, sorry, like the quantity of anxiety before you may, and all that stuff. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, people often have this misconception that when the anxiety, you know, when we sort of overcome anxiety, when we get to these deeper roots, that it means that, you know, 100% of the time you're acting from this place of worthiness. And I can say from my own experience, no, not at all. Like even launching this app has brought up so much for me of, oh my gosh, can I do this? Like, who am I to launch an app? So it doesn't mean that I never feel afraid, but it does mean that I have faith that whatever comes up, I can handle it. I can handle it. I trust myself to be able to manage it. And that requires working through a lot of perfectionism, right? Of having that fear of failure. Because being confident doesn't mean that we're always going to feel, you know, at 100% all the time, but it means that we continue to take steps forward. Even if it feels uncomfortable and scary and stretches us, we still continue to press forward because we have a deep trust in ourselves that we can handle it. Absolutely. And that's only done through practice because, again, no one teaches you this in school, in society, because it's so much easier to focus on the negativity. And of course, if you look at the news, social media, it makes sense why they go there because it sells a lot easier. It gets to the audience a lot easier. It makes sense. So once you understand that and you don't put the blame on them and on anyone, really, just say, hey, you know what? Understand what's going on. I come back to myself because I can control all of these things internally. I can't control them externally. That's what made a huge difference for me anyway realizing that, hey, you know what, I have control of how I see the situation, how I react. And, you know, sometimes it's going to be a reaction I'm not happy with, but that's an opportunity for me to acknowledge it, accept it, and see what can I learn and do better next time. Yeah, absolutely. Like learning that you can control your thoughts and emotions is a game changer. And it takes a lot of practice and awareness to do that, right? That we're not I think, I mean, I grew up certainly in a generation where like, I wasn't taught these things. We didn't talk about emotions and feeling sad was immediately met with like, don't feel sad. It's okay. You're okay. Yeah, exactly. But to learn to process strong emotions like anxiety, such a strong emotion, like that's a real superpower to be able to do that. I love that, Heather. Love that so much. So let's talk about this app really quick. Where can people find it? Is it on Android? Is it on iPhones? Um, you know, any Apple devices, where can people find it and find more about you? Yeah. So Cultivating Calm, the app, you can find it in both the App Store and Google Play. So on iPhone and, and Android, uh, there's a, a web version as well. And the app is really for teaching people how to get to some of these deeper roots of anxiety, right? To work through the self-doubt, to get to a place where you feel confident about your day, right? We're not being stuck in the what ifs anymore, the spiral. We're not feeling overwhelmed about our endless to-do list and all we have to do. It's really about teaching you that you are enough, teaching you how to relax without feeling guilty. And it's holistic anxiety support. You know, it's what we've talked about today. It's bringing in mindset, nutrition, and movement in a convenient and 
you know, all, all in one place. So it's bringing together all those pieces of the puzzle, uh, and coming at anxiety from, from every angle. And in this app, I'm showing people like the exact formula that I use. So it's through that mindset, nutrition, and movement piece and different courses on the app of how can you combine these and work them into your day so that you regulate your nervous system, you feel calmer, and it's a real sense of, um, community. So people can, uh, check out the app from either the app store or Google play. And there's a free 14 day trial that everyone can start with. And I want to mention as well that I know anxiety can feel really lonely and uh, scary. So I also want to offer for our listeners a free 30 minute one-on-one strategy session with me. And so when people sign up and start their free trial of Cultivating Calm, there's a spot where you can book that free one-on-one session with me. And that's a session where we can sort of get into that nitty gritty of what's going on for you at a um, personal individual level. And you're going to walk away from that session with three concrete changes you can start to put into place in your life. Awesome stuff, Heather. That's amazing. Well, let me ask you this before I let you go. Is there anything else that comes up that you'd like to share that we haven't touched upon yet? I think sort of the main message I'd love to leave people with is, is just to know that anxiety doesn't have to be a life sentence, that it can absolutely be addressed by, it can be overcome by getting to the root of what is causing the anxiety. And as we've been talking about today to reprogram that, rewire how the neural pathways are firing and to put these habits in place that are going to take away that overwhelm. Like anxiety is overwhelming enough. So let's get down to the most impactful habits that you can start to put into place. And by prioritizing them, start to send that signal to yourself that I am worth it. I am deserving of everything that I've wanted in life. I love that message, Heather. It's been such a pleasure to chat with you today. Thank you for all the wisdom, everything you've shared. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for having me, Constantine. And thank you for the incredible work that you do spreading this message. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us on this exploration of personal transformation. Your presence and engagement are at the heart of what we do. And I sincerely appreciate you, your time and thirst for knowledge, inspiration and empowerment. Please consider showing your support by hitting like, subscribe, leaving a comment or writing a review. Your engagement not only fuels our mission, but also helps others discover these insights. For more daily guidance on personal transformation across the mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical realms, be sure to visit our website at unleashthyself.com. You can also find us on Instagram at unleashthyselftoday, TikTok and YouTube at unleashthyself, and there we post daily content designed to inspire and empower you on your journey. If you have any specific thoughts, questions, or feedback, I truly value your input. Or if you'd like to have a conversation with me, or work with me, please feel free to email me directly at constantine at unleashthyself.com. I would love to hear from you. Together, we're building a community united in authenticity and purpose. Once again, thank you for being a part of this movement. Until next time, continue to embrace your true self and live a life on purpose, with purpose. See you in the next episode.